This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. There he is. It's Joe Kay, and he is bored silly. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Joe. Hey, John. How are you? Good. It's good to have you here. It's amazing. You know, you you reminded me that the last time we talked was uh, January of 2020 when we did the episode about you starting your group, the only requirement group in Chatham and uh, how much the world has changed since that time. Yeah. I can't believe like, you know, we had done that podcast and it was just about how, you know, it was starting uh, the group and then like two months later, like, Oh, that group, everything's on hold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and everything's changing. Oh, that's right. Everything. A few yeah. months right after that. Isn't yeah, that crazy? So I remember it was like March 13th. I was out like with a friend of mine and then like, you know, here in New Jersey, we got the notice, like, you know, like everything was like shutting down and, and we were at like our favorite restaurant. It was like, it's a friend of mine who's also an AA and it was like our, our, our every Friday lunch. And it's like, no, like this is like the biggest part of our recovery together. <laughs> and that restaurant has since opened so we can continue that. Well, it's funny, but, you know, at work the other day, yesterday, I guess, um, we were talking and I said, I asked them, I said, you know, when we left the office back in March of 2020, did we know we were going to be out for so long? And they said, no, we thought we were just going to be out for like two weeks. <laughs> and we are still um, working from home like uh, almost two years later. But anyway, um, so for those of you who are watching on YouTube, if you've never been to this YouTube channel before, this I am John, and this is Beyond Belief Sobriety. This is a podcast uh, where we uh, discuss topics of interest to people who are pursuing a secular path to recovery from addictions of all sorts and all kinds. And uh, so we do live streams on every Friday. We put videos out here on our YouTube channel. And then we have an audio podcast where you can download wherever you like to get your podcast. And I'm chatting here with Joe Kay, and he is from Chatham, New Jersey. And he and I have talked before in a previous podcast uh, back some time ago. And he um, he said, you know, it's been a while since I talked to you, and I, I I just have a lot on my mind, and some of the things that he told me that were on his mind are on my mind too. Though I I've been feeling that way, and I was kind of thinking about all of this before um, we we started today, and I thought, you know, Joe is either bored, like I'm bored, or he's going through some sort of change, like I'm going through some sort of change about the way I'm thinking about my recovery and the program and my relationship to AA, et cetera. Or uh, maybe it's just all this COVID shit has got me burned out. Um, I don't know, but there's a lot to talk about. So, Joe, where do we start? Yeah, I was trying to wonder, wondering like where to start. So it's like part of it's like boredom, but like you can only talk about boredom for so long. I know that, that would put everybody to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then but like dovetailed into that, I was I was kind of thinking about you know like the steps, and they're not really part of my recovery. And um, I mean, I, I did them with a the sponsor and everything just to. to to kind of do it and it felt um like a kind of like a checklist i just wanted to be able to kind of weigh in on on it and experience it but you know as i thought about it i i guess um you know i was about to read um jeffrey i guess it's jeffrey Munn's stings over without god as the 12 steps i was reading like all these like 12 steps thing things i'm like but i feel like i'm trying to shoehorn myself into a narrative that doesn't fit me yeah i <laughs> hear know? you I hear you. I've evolved quite a bit on that, you know. So, you know, my my background was um, traditional AA for like twenty five years. I read the damn big book over and over repeatedly, and worked the steps with a sponsor, and just always thought the steps were, you know, what I'm supposed supposed to do. And I still find some value in them, but but the way I think about them have, has changed dramatically. I mean, I I I'm a take it or leave it kind of a guy when it comes to the steps. And I'm also, um, I think they should come with a warning label that, um, these are not going to fix you. (laughs) So don't think that they are, (laughs) they're not magic. I think, um, one of my frustrations is like, um, it's like, even I I found in the secular meetings, it's, there's just like, you need to do the steps or there's, you're lesser if you don't do the steps. And I think it, the message should be out there. Well, if the steps don't work for you and there's another way of working for you like that, that's okay too. And one of my favorite meetings is the, the Perry street workshop in, in the city. And in fact, I kind of right after COVID started, I wasn't going to meetings. And one of my friends um, whose name is Chuck, we actually cho- we co-chaired a meeting at, at our home group. I'm like, Oh, can't we be like Joe and Charlie? He's like, no, <laughs> we cannot. Yeah, Cause he's Chuck. And um, anyways, 
you know, he, he got, and I, I didn't really want to do, I was doing meetings, but I was like, I would not do the video. And one of the things about the video is I used to work from home when I worked in corporate America. And I really don't like, I wanted to separate everything I like, or I, I wanted everything. Home is like where is my sanctuary and note A is somewhere I go to for a sanctuary. Um, you know, hiking, I like to do in my free time. That's a sanctuary. And home is just like me, my wife, and our two cats. And, but I'm like, well, if I'm going to like, just me to do a speaking thing. So if I'm going to speak, I might as well be on the, you know, if I'm going to see everybody, I might as well see people too. So I kind of got over my Zoom phobia, so you will, so, so to say. And, but they have a sign there in the meeting room that says there is no wrong or right way to recover, uh, little tongue tied, no wrong or right way to recovery. And, you know, in the book, big book, it says that, you know, these are suggestions. It's like, like codified into law that you have to do the steps. And it just, it just feels like it is. And, you know, I, I think I, you know, I, I hit that Zoom wall. Like, I just felt it's even more alienating. Like, and if a connection is the opposite of addiction, which I have that in my notebooks, like every other, I keep that quote keeps popping up. <laughs> and, um, but at home, it's like you're just this little guy in a Brady Bunch box. Right. Well, you know, when you talk, going back to the steps, so I agree with you. I think, I think that, I think that there is um, kind of a, within the culture of AA and probably all 12 step programs in a, or anything else where they use the steps, I think it's probably kind of, there's the, it's kind of built in this mindset that, um, this is something I need to do. And when I do it, I'm, I'm a good member of this 12 step fellowship and blah, blah, blah. It's, I don't know. It's just kind of a, just kind of a weird thing, but, um, and, and, and people feel like they have to work them. Like there's some, like there's like some sort of a process, like you have to actually go through and, 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 you know, kind of work through them. And, and I guess some of them you do, there are some things that you do, but when you really step back from them for a little bit, and you, and you and you look at them in context of the book where they were written all they are all it is is a description of somebody's experience you know and it wasn't my experience or your experience or anybody's experience who's alive today but it was the experience of a certain group of people who existed back in Akron and New York in in the 1930s right and they described that experience based upon what they were living at the time through that Oxford group and so forth. But that's all it was, was a description of their experience. He just happened to put it in a list, you know, and that's, that's it. But they're, you know, so I have totally relaxed on the steps in that I think that if you really stop and think about it, a lot of what happens in that are written down in those steps, when you take all the God stuff out, are things that you would probably normally do anyway when you are stopping an addiction and beginning to change. Okay. So it's like, this is just my opinion, but I think it was, it was all, it was almost just natural for me. Once I got to the point where I realized I needed to stop drinking, that it was a problem. Once I got to that point, it was almost natural for me to kind of reflect on what the hell had been going on in my life all this time. You know? So I was already kind of getting to that point where I was kind of getting some self-honesty and some self-reflection. And then I think it was also natural for me to want to, to, to realize what an asshole I had been, you know, for those years and to want to go and set things right and at least get along with the people that are closest to me. So I think that, I think that a lot of the stuff that just kind of is just kind of would happen naturally anyway. And those guys back then, they just wrote it down in a list of 12 and they happen to put God stuff all over it because they thought that that's where it was coming from. Just my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Um, also too, when you talk about the narrative, the book, that's not my narrative. I remember going, you know, he's talking to my sponsor and they talk about the part where you're padding your expense account. He's like, well, didn't you ever do that? I'm like, <laughs> no, no. I'm like, no, like I'd be fired. Yeah, I don't right. with my job. He's like, but it's in the book. I'm like, it may be in the book, but, it, it's not black and white. Like it, just because it's in the book doesn't mean it happened. That that's one person's experience. And I mean, I like my sponsor. I mean, it, he's very open minded. Which is it's funny because he's a very religious guy. But 
he's like, you ask so many questions, but he's like, I like it. I like, I like talking about this stuff. So it wasn't like, like, what do you mean you're questioning the big book? You know, it's like, so it was a good like dialogue going back and forth. And I think I opened up his mind a little bit too, to things. Um, but even with like the inventory, like, you know, I said to my wife, you know, I'm doing that, like she had me do these worksheets and you check off selfish, self-seeking, dishonest. And you know, I go through them all. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to check all these off for each one. And I'm looking over this list. And I'm like, a lot of these are just like bad memories. These aren't really like horrendous things. And so I said to my wife, like, do you think I'm selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, and dishonest? She's like, God, no. Where are you getting this from? Right. <laughs> like, well, it's in the book. <laughs> She's like, that's not you at all. <laughs> yeah. I know that funny. Yeah. <laughs> but our, the good thing that she was around because otherwise yes. you might have to believe it. <laughs> yeah. And so I have validation that I am not. Yeah. I things. wish I would have had someone like that because I yeah. kind of took that on. But fuck, I'm a real selfish prick here. Yeah. <laughs> And even with like the expense accounting, like I do you remember like the Columbia record house mm-hmm. records and tapes? Like yes, I remember I did. when I so you know I, I joined up for my eleven and you got like the eleven records and I you got the thing in the mail and I, and I paid for them because I thought my you know you would go to jail if you didn't pay for them. And then later on, because <laughs> you know I, I, I was talking to friends like later on, I'm like oh god no nobody pays for those things. I'm like oh like you know I was so intent like you had to follow the law and you'll go to jail and like, so I was never like a thief and because people say like, remember when you were out there stealing? And I'm like, not my experience. <laughs> like I just, I just blacked out. Like my experience is one of, now that I, you know, think back on it, it's one of maladaptive coping strategies. And that, that's all it was. And I just like, I blacked out a lot. I sent every text to some like brothers and sisters, but like I was, and I wasn't out there like doing all this crazy stuff, not to say like other people didn't, or do but like that's just my story and, um so i just had to learn new ways new ways of coping and i was thinking you know i heard john h's um when i heard him um talk the first time when i heard him talk say how it works is this an awful thing that gets read i'm like oh my god i'm not the only person yeah who yeah feels that way yeah it is and awful wrote, too it is yeah. awful and you know there was actually um i think it was in the grapevine a few years ago i remember seeing something where they questioned that there was a like an open question is is it really wise to read this thing um at the beginning of meetings could it possibly scare people away yeah i think it could oh yeah there is one who has all power that one is god may you find him now (laughs) (laughs) jesus i mean yeah it's really it's really um it's weird i for years would sit in meetings and listen to that and Okay, you have to kind of think of me where I was at that period of time. I, I kind of came in young. I was hanging around for a long time. And after a while, you just hear the words and you don't really think about them, you know? And so it would be kind of like a mantra or something. I would just kind of go through the motions where I'd listen to it. It wasn't, and and so it didn't bother me. It was almost kind of like relaxing for me just to sit here and listen to the crap. Someone read it, right? But after I got to the point where I really realized I was an atheist, I could not stand hearing it anymore, you know, because then I'm really listening to it and what it's saying. And I found it not just objectionable, but offensive to me yeah, personally. Absolutely. It, I just thought that, that's the other thing with the, the book. I can't reconcile being an atheist and, and the book. I, I remember someone was on a speaking commitment and someone like another atheist, like I think we were at a um, detox or a IOP and like, like we're going to start with, how it works and i'm like how could you read that you're an atheist <laughs> like there's all this god stuff in it and yeah i give done i'm done with that too i um you know and again going back to my history the first thing i did is when i kind of realized i was an atheist i went to that big book and i tried to understand it and study it as a as an atheist i have completely discarded it now it just doesn't have a use i don't have a use for that anymore um, and I don't really even recommend it for anyone else. Yeah, but that's how I feel now. Because uh, one of my buddies from my home group is like, could you, if someone asked you to sponsor them and take them through the 12 steps, could you do it? I'm like, actually, I don't know because I can't sell it. So I don't know yeah, if I could do it. I don't know either if I could either, to be honest with you. If someone wanted to do that, you know, I guess I could refer them to some sort of a book. But I would just be honest with them. I'd say, you know, I don't really think it's really necessary. We can we can just kind of talk Um within the maybe within the context of whatever your experience is yeah 
I think it's better to speak in your own language. The problem with the steps is it's someone else's language. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That that's how I feel too. Just be, and some of the things too. It almost feels like I feel sometimes people compromise their atheism. It's like, well, I had to find an interpretation of the third step prayer. And, yeah, I know. Um, I know. But you don't. You don't. You don't. You could just don't have to do it. Or you, you know. Yeah. You know. And it always kind of disheartens me a little. Like, I, I mean, it's my own personal feeling, but. And it's where people are too, I suppose, because I, uh, um, it took me a while to evolve to where I'm at now with the thoughts, with the thought that I have about all this now. Um, and so, you know, we might be meeting people that are at a certain phase of their development where they think they need to have some sort of alternative higher power, but eventually they, they might get to the place where I arrived, where it's like, you know what, that word higher power isn't even in my vocabulary. It's not the way I talk. Um, I don't need a higher power. I got other people in my life that I kind of um, go to when I need yeah, help. Yeah, same here. Like I reject higher power completely. Yeah, totally. And but there are people would, out there that have said that you know it could be atheists and say, you know what, my higher power is the universe. Well, what I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but you know, maybe a year later they might say, you know what, that was bullshit. <laughs> Well, that's like, you know, if you say it's like the doorknob, it's like, well, but if you put doorknob in for in the higher power or God in the steps, it, it, it's or, laughable. My higher power <laughs> yeah. is good or my higher power is the group or my higher power, blah, blah, blah. You really don't even need one. I mean, the the whole the language itself is not something that normal people use in their everyday um, way of talking. Right. I don't think so. Anyway, I never used to use that. I never used that word higher power until I got into AA. Whoever yeah, talks like that. I think you know, it's funny as we were as I was, I was thinking I was jotting down like little notes and stuff and I was trying to think well um, you know the steps don't really work for me but you know like what does really you know what, what is my experience and I everyone's experience is different like this is my experience I just want to put the disclaimer that this is my experience I'm not speaking for anybody else like I'm just speaking for me and you know I found like I had a moment of clarity I ended up in a ER like I didn't have this come to Jesus moment and it was just like you know, I need to change. Otherwise, life's just going to get worse. And it, it kind of frustrates me when people are like, um, like, you just haven't hit rock bottom yet. And I want to put the message out there, but you can get off the elevator at any time. Like, that's more of a message I like, because I don't think I went down to like the basement or I felt like maybe I was like on the first floor, second floor. And I'm like, uh, this seems like a really good spot to get off and go back up, you know. And I also realized, like, I had to have something for me. I had to have something of value to lose. Um, you know, I was like married, and things were pretty good in the marriage. But I, you know, I'd start. I was changing, and I recognized that I was changing. I was like hiding bottles in the house, and I was kind of being kind of um, maybe not the most pleasant person to be around. You know, and once that all kicked in, it's like, oh, what do I do? And you know, I went to rehab and IOP, and. I started seeing a therapist. Um, I had I wasn't a ther I was seeing a therapist before, but um, but she couldn't see me anymore. It just didn't work out, and I found a new therapist. And she's not a she believes in AA as a support group, but you know she's not a, a big twelve step proponent. So I'm like, oh, this will be perfect because we were talking about the higher power, and she's like, I don't understand. Why aren't you the higher power? You're doing all the work. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is a perfect fit, you know. And through just had to like investigate like new ways of coping. And I think by going to meetings and that part in the preamble where it's one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic, you, you know, in the meetings, you can like learn all these different coping strategies. And even in like the living sober book that has like a lot of coping strategies that I like. And like, I really like Buddhist philosophy. I can't really say I'm a Buddhist because I don't believe in reincarnation. Um, so, but I like the, Eightfold path, like uh, it doesn't have all the God stuff. It's just right intention, so forth and so on. And I started practicing meditation. Um, I like doing that. Um, I had really good habits going. I read a book called uh, by uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it was really great at establishing habits. But then I, I, was, I got hit by a car in November, um, and it kind of like upended like all the habits. So I'm kind of this working last on. November. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a little lady hit me about like 20 miles per hour. I was in a crosswalk, and um, I was all right. I had to go to like the hospital and the ER and everything. But 
the doctor seemed like really annoyed. <laughs> like, I got all this COVID stuff to deal with, and you're here hit by a car. Like, that's, you know, it's like, you're fine. You can go now. Like, not a really good bedside manner. <laughs> it's funny you read that book. I had that book, and I don't think I finished it. Or maybe I can't remember if I finished it or not. I don't think I did, but it was, um, I got it because it was um, going to be the subject of a book club that I joined that never I never really got involved in. Um, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I took it out of the library. I probably it's one of the, I'm probably gonna buy it because it, it was it was really good at for establishing habits. And I heard him on a podcast, I think with like Sam Harris or something. And um, I just really like James Clear, and I found it very helpful. So, yeah. and I, I think too, like you know, in the steps they talk about like a spiritual awakening, and like that word is like not in my vocabulary. That's another one I just reject outright. It doesn't really mean anything. And I I really believe in science. And, you know, while I wasn't, when I was hitting that COVID burnout, I was watching like um, the great courses uh, and thing and reading like National Geographic, like the science of addiction. And, you know, they talk about like the prefrontal cortex, the nucleus accumbens and bonding neuroreceptors. And I'm like, well, you can't, how do you make that sexy? You know, it's like, <laughs> but because I, I go to meetings sometimes and people are like, oh, science doesn't explain recovery. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, kind of neuroscience is at a point where it kind of does you know and that should be encompassed and it just seems to be rejected and you know and i don't know if maybe like the part of the steps too is like in the groups when you're working with in that group environment you know that oxytocin that bonding chemical gets released too and it doesn't really matter if you're just like talking you're working on something productive like i don't begrudge anyone who wants to do it i just don't feel that it's for me um, but no, I, I, just, I hear you. I'm the same way. Uh, I, I'm totally okay with the people who do it. I'm not going to put them down. I, it, it's just not for me where I'm at this point in my life. I'm just not, I'm not, it's not my thing. Um, but I've been there before. I, I was one of those guys that was, that thought it was real important. So I kind of get that, but I'm not, I'm not there now. Yeah. I, I guess just through like neuroplasticity, like the brain just like rewires itself. Um, I went to, you know, I go with my, my wife drinks, um, not heavily, just like, you know, a bottle of wine a week or something like that. And we went to the liquor store and I, you know, I went with her and she's also very into crafting. So I'll go with her, like, you know, she wants to go to the craft store to get yarn and there's like nothing there for me. I'm like, oh, there's no magazines to look at. <laughs> yeah. And if there are magazines, it's something like yarn today. You know? <laughs> and uh, so I went to the liquor store the other day with her and I'm walking around looking, I'm like, oh, there's like this is like the yarn store. There's like nothing here for me. Like, well, where's the soda? And so I went over to the little aisle where it's like soda and it's like Coke, Diet Coke. I'm like, oh, like, why don't they have like ginger ale and Dr. Pepper Zero? And, you know, so I'm like, like can we go now? There's just, I want to go home and read a magazine or <laughs> do something else. <laughs> but like, I, I just think, you know, in my mind, I've established like I'm a person who doesn't drink or I don't drink when problems arise, not to say I don't handle all problems well, because I'm human and imperfect. And I, I think that's just, it's, it's okay to be imperfect instead of like concentrating on character defects and all these things. It's just, Hey, I'm imperfect. And I've got some stuff to work on to be a decent person. Yeah. So are you finding that um, the, even the secular meetings that you're going to, are they kind of, are you, are you beginning to kind of question about, you know, how, how useful they are for you or, um, is it something about them that's just not, not doing it for you right now? I think so. I, I think part of it's maybe that like advocacy for the, the steps that keeps popping up. And when, um, you know, when John H had mentioned, you know, when he talks about a separate secular thing at first, I was kind of like, I don't know, that's, I don't know if that would work. And I still don't, but like, well, more like well maybe it would work I, I just don't because then you wouldn't be beholden to steps in the book and you could have like your own literature and, and, and kind of thing i just don't know how it would work like i don't know like you know when you get into like structures of organizations and like i don't want to i wouldn't want to be involved with general service committees and you know all those things i just don't know what it would i'm not opposed to it but i i you know now i'm of the mind maybe it's a good idea and you know i would definitely if, if i would was your home group, I mean, when you, when you were meeting in person, was it like that though too? Were they wanting to, were there, see my home group and, and I, and I haven't been going to meetings, uh, but we're, we're, we're meeting in person now again, but, and I haven't been back, but um, 
when I when we when I was going to meetings regularly at that group, they didn't really talk about steps. They didn't really talk about that kind of stuff so much. It, the the meetings were usually kind of a topic meeting about whatever. A lot of times it wouldn't even be anything that we read. Someone would just come up with a topic and then we would we would talk about it. But you wouldn't really see anything about the steps. And then every once in a while somebody would kind of complain. They say, We never talk about the steps here, or we don't we don't have sponsors and we don't do this or that. And then and then um and then people would try to to, to fit into that mold and it would just never work. And we just kind of just go back to you know, getting together and talking about a topic and then uh, hanging out afterwards. But was your group, your face-to-face group, was it actually kind of more into the mold of wanting to read something that having to do with steps and so forth? Um, the agnostic group we started, um, it wasn't so much like reading stuff. It would just be people would be like, if you're not working, some people would be like, you know, you have to be working the steps to be sober and it would come up. And some would, some would just be like, topics and sometimes you just like struggle for a topic it's like what do you want to talk about it's like how many times can you talk about you know if you hang out at the barber shop you'll get a haircut you know, right right, right. <laughs> um so i was wondering if that maybe that was a zoom phenomena that that um you start because i know our group you know um when we started meeting online people from around the country would come to that meeting so it was just no longer just the group the group of people that would get together here physically, but it was people from around the world and around the country that would get together. And I'm wondering if that kind of changed the flavor of the, of the meeting a little bit for, for your group. Yeah. I thought I was going to go to like so many, like I can go to all the agnostic and secular meetings now. And then that burnout just hit. And I just kind of like, you know, so, I did a yeah. few, I think I'd been to yours a couple of times or the one you go to really? a couple of times. And, and I, you've probably but, been there more than I have. I yeah. burned out a long time ago on them. Yeah, that was about like right at the beginning. Yeah, I think now maybe I go to like the meeting, the agnostic meeting. We do like two, two, two times a month at that. Yeah, I've been the podcast has been pretty much my meeting, and I'm still kind of connected with people online, you know, uh, in the community and so forth. But um, yeah, the Zoom meetings I got burned out on pretty quickly, and I've explained this before, and 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 I and, and maybe it's an excuse, I don't know. But here's the deal. I'm sitting at this desk where I'm at physically right now, eight hours of my day at work now, okay? And I am talking to people I work with on the screen. All my interactions with all human beings are on the screen. And then when my work day is done, you know, I can shut down my computer for a little bit and walk away and then I can turn it back on and I'm gonna go to a meeting, an AA meeting, where everybody, all my interactions are again are with these people on the screen, just like I had done all day long at work. And I'm physically tired of looking at people on the screen. So it got to a point where I, you know, it's like six o'clock at night or whatever, it's time for the meeting. And I didn't, I didn't have it in me to want to log on to another damn meeting and see people on a screen. It just, to me, it was like, it was like an extension of what I've been doing all day anyway at work. It wasn't, I wasn't getting that connection with people that I would get um, when I would go to the meeting. So it's kind of weird. Like, you know, it seems like when I would, because I, I worked at home anyway for a while, but I could shut down, get in my car, drive somewhere, and you have like a little bit of a break, go see some people, have some laughs or whatever, and come back. And it was a different experience than just kind of sitting here. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts about going to a physical meeting, whether it's like the 6.30 a.m. home group I go to or the 7 o'clock agnostic meeting that, that we have. And I think, too, with Zoom, it's like like you can see in my, hey, here's my house. Like, you know, other people can see where I live. Like, you can see, like, Mr. T back there and Willie Nelson that my wife made that she crocheted. That's what she's been doing to use her stress level. And But the other thing, too, is, like, you know, this is a one-bedroom apartment. So, you know, my wife is behind the door over there and I, I know she's not listening, but if I just don't feel as free to sit, share something here at home and we have the two cats. And so if I shut the door, they're going to like scratch at the door. So like half the time I'll be like focusing on the cats and I've got to go open the door or what's going on. I'm not really paying attention. And it's hard to with like Zoom, like, you know, if someone's like boring you to death, as happens in any meeting, <laughs> you can just zoom on like Amazon or whatever and just do something else. And it's it's easier not to focus on what's going on. 
And, and I, I just say this just in case somebody from work might discover this um, YouTube channel and see me. But when they, when they have meetings at work sometimes where I don't have to do anything. So what I'll do is I'll listen to the meeting. I'll just tr I'll turn the speakers on and I'll sit in a comfy chair somewhere while the meeting goes on. And it's always like the CFO talking about how great we're doing or whatever. And, I, and I'll just go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fall asleep. It's like I could never I could never really do do that when we had to actually have the meeting in person. We had to force yourself to stay awake, you know, while the guy is joining on about and our bottom line numbers are <laughs> so we're getting our synergies together to leverage our product. <laughs> but fortunately, nobody from work will ever see this podcast. <laughs> but that's it, it just feels like like another thing like in my house and there are like things to be like outside of the house. Like I like I, I like to like separate. I'm a big compartmentalizer i always have been and i just like like the meetings to be separate and it was just good having it was like a break from home like you know if you know what if we get along very well but like let's say we have something stressful between us oh, i can go to a meeting and just hang out for a little bit maybe talk to someone feel a little distressed when i come home whereas it's like here it's like oh can you go in the bedroom i gotta put on the headphones or you know but you know it's weird though too so now um this COVID thing is just so weird though. Cause okay. So for a while things were getting better here. A lot of, most of us that were going to the meetings, we were all vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Um, most, most people in my life are vaccinated so we could go out and it was almost like returning to normal again, you know, but now here in Missouri, um, it's really bad, you know, uh, people, most of the people in Missouri and I'm, I don't know if most, yeah, I guess most have not been vaccinated and it's really bad. So now they that people have to wear masks again, but even even with all that, even with all that, even when things were good, it was difficult for me to start going to those physical meetings again for whatever reason. It's like I've kind of gotten used to being, even though I can I can complain about it, I'm by nature, I'm by nature one who kind of likes to kind of not be around people anyway yes <laughs> you know it's really weird but i like yes. being around people but it's like it's effort you know and when i make the effort it's good and i think it's probably good for me it's healthy for me but i have to really force myself to it to do it and this covid thing kind of gave me a reason not to need to make that effort it's just really weird. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but other people are going to the meetings. And I think, I know if I went to that meeting and saw them, I would be happy to see them and it would be fun and everything. But for some reason, it's hard for me to break from what I'm doing now and doing that. Because I, I feel like, well, part of, partly is I'm pretty busy. Like I'm talking to you right now, right? We're talking about the program. I do this a lot. And so this is kind of like my recovery program now, this podcast. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> same thing. It's like, I don't like people, yet I like being around them, like at a meeting or even like hiking. Like there's people like nearby, but I don't have to be with them, <laughs> you know? Um, I, what was I going to say? I forgot. Um, so I went outside today. I don't know why. Um, it's really hot or hot. It's really hot here. It's been miserable here. And it's probably like that everywhere right now, but it's really hot here. And I kind of was joking with my wife. I went outside and I said, I came back in. I said, "Hey, sweetie, I um, I went outside and I interacted with a another person." <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Oh, really? How'd that go?" I thought, I thought it would be nice to see to go outside and there was a a person there, and I said hello. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. I guess like <laughs> I get up with COVID. Like the the home group, my the group that I started, like sort of my home group. That it's at six thirty in the morning, and I you know I got texts that we're doing it in person, and you have to wear a mask, which is fine. It's like the the, the church's rule. You do have to wear. Yeah, okay. but I think they third, have to now here now too. Yeah, that's the church's rule. I, but even now, like in New Jersey, they're like you should wear it when you go out. Like I had to get like a spinal injection the other day, and I said to the doctor, I'm like, what's the deal with masks? Should I wear one or or not? I don't really know what. With everything that's going on he's like if you care about the public good and you don't want to transmit the delta variant or new variants to anyone wear the mask when you go out so I'm like good enough for me <laughs> uh, but with our thursday group one of the things i don't know what's going to happen is th there's a new guy in charge we meet at a quaker meeting house and the guy 
called me up and she's like, oh, you know, I'm a new guy. And you know, do you guys have proof of insurance? I'm like, we didn't need it for the other person. So there's like that. And then do you have to have like, that? I, whenever, when I was investigating places, if people asked and I said, no, they wouldn't call back. And then other places were just, the, the Quaker meeting house was like, no. And they never brought it up. So we're just like, all right, here's the place. Oh, I just assumed that the um, wherever you rent from is the one that has the insurance. Yeah, that's what I figured as well. And then he, he was also talking like they're open in a limited capacity. And he had said, like, where we'd also have to determine if we're going to ask if people are vaccinated or not to come here. And I, I don't want to be the vaccination police. I'm, I'm pro vaccine, but I don't want to be a vaccine cop. And he's like, well, what I have to do is we have to go to our trustees and talk about it, blah, blah, blah. So I had to tell him, all right, you have to do that. And then I have to bring it back to our group and tell them what you think. So I don't know if our group's going to, what's going to happen, our group, if it's going to be in person or in Zoom or a hybrid. But I really don't like the hybrid. Just like corporate America again. Yeah, I know. The hybrids don't work too well um, from what I hear from the, the people from my group because it's kind of a distraction. It's a, it's, it's a bit of a distraction. That's what I felt. The one and only hybrid meeting I've been to, I was sitting there and then you have the person leading the meeting and then you have the person over there doing all the tech stuff. And you just, our Quaker, the meeting at the Quaker Meeting House, there's roughly about 12 of us. And you know, I'm not technological at all. Like, you know, my wife fixes everything. <laughs> And um, so if it came down to it, like the person in charge of the laptop has to be there or whatever, or the Wi-Fi. <laughs> right, so right. Really know. I think if we do go back in person, we'll probably, they, they'll probably just try it out and see how it goes, which is fine. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but I'm really, I don't really like the hybrid meeting, but you know, if that's what the group consensus is, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how things go here. And if I, if I will, you know, I'm I'm in a state of change right now for myself personally, and I and I can feel that. Um, I don't know. You know, I I don't go to the I don't go to the meetings now, and will I ever go back? I don't know. I still have friends there. I'd like to see them. Um, maybe I will sometime. I don't know. But where I'm at right now, my I'm still kind of like this online mode where it's the it's the podcast keeps me busy, keeps me into into thinking about my recovery. Um, I'm. I'm somewhat involved with the um, uh, peer support uh, community in Missouri, uh, which I, I like. So I'm still kind of involved in things recovery related, but not necessarily AA related. Um, yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like, is our meeting still for me? Like, because I've talked to some people and like, oh, you haven't like gone to a meeting. I'm worried about you. And I'm like, I noticed as I stopped going to meetings, like, I don't really think about it drinking and alcohol and i know there's that component of like helping others so if you don't go to a meeting you're not helping anyone but at the same time i'm like but you know my mental health is in a good spot yeah i'm not going to meetings i know that i'm kind of coming to that conclusion i'm like um i like the damn people i mean i have friends there and i've known these people for a while now i mean our group has been meeting for seven years you know, um, and a lot of the people that go to that meeting have been going there for that time. So I do like the people, but I don't, it's not, it's not necessary for me, for my sobriety, my recovery, for my, my personal growth. It's not necessary for me to have that for my personal growth and sobriety and all that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. That's how I feel too. It's just, it's just the people like there's like the some people, people is really nice. want to see. Yeah. yeah. When I went to the meet, I texted another guy. We went in and I'm like, "Hey, like Starbucks?" And it's like, "Sure." I'm like, how did you like the hybrid meeting? It's like, oh, I hated it. I like this part, you know, the part where we're having coffee afterwards. So, and the kitchen there is closed. This is the six thirty in the morning group. I go to the kitchens like the can't have coffee in the kitchen so there's no one really like hanging out and talking. It's just like you go and you go into the meeting room, and then when it's over, you leave. <laughs> so, and what you know, one of the other one of my friends is like moving and he's very supportive of you know, what we're doing because we were talking in the parking lot one day. It's like, I oh, you know I was at home and I was like praying the other day. He's like, don't worry. I know you don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. But you know, it's nice when people support you. I'm like, Oh, there's someone who supports us. That's like not going to be here. And yeah, I don't like when you go to the hybrid meeting, like, and you're sitting there in the room, like you're not really going to make a connection with someone on the, on the Brady bunch screen up there. You know, like, like who's like Jack F from, Saskatchewan, you know, like, 
and they're not going to be like, oh, who's that Joe K guy who said blah blah blah, you know. So, but I have the sense that maybe you're kind of in the same same kind of place that I'm in, where you're kind of recognizing that, you know, that your view or your experiences changed from a year ago or two years ago, like mine has. I mean, I I'm just in a state where I don't know. I don't know what my relationship with AA is anymore and what it's going to be going forward. I just know what I'm doing now and, and how things are going now. Uh, but it, but it has changed a lot. You know, it's not, uh, it, it's not as essential to me. Um, even the, some of the political stuff in AA, like, uh, like a few years ago, I was like really involved with um, AA service. You know, I, w- I went to the general, the area assembly and I was uh, um, going to, all that business kind of stuff and was really kind of involved in it. And I was also wanting, um, Oh, I guess to be more involved with like somehow changing AA or helping to be part of a transformation within AA to help, help secularize it or whatever. I'm totally not interested in any of that anymore. I felt the same <laughs> way. Like right before COVID we were talking about at, there's a convention here in New Jersey in Somerset, like in, so I think, in the summer and we were talking about oh maybe we can get like a, a table or we can have we can get agnostic meetings going and i was like really into that and then like you know like covid happened and, like i feel the same way like there's been I, I yeah i think there's been a growth in secular recovery with all the, the there's so many meetings now that anyone can go to um like it's almost not necessary to to, to do all that i, I know it, it, it's, it's, uh, and in another weird way, I, now, again, I'm not going to a lot of, I'm not going to meetings. I don't know. But um, in the early days when I was going to the Zoom meetings, um, if I went to a traditional meeting, like, for example, I, w- I went to some area assembly meetings and stuff like that early on under COVID when we were online. And something that I found really funny was that this, these groups who used to always do the serenity prayer at the beginning and the Lord's prayer at the end, they stopped doing it on Zoom. Because it just wasn't practical. You couldn't you couldn't really do it in unison, you know, you couldn't really say the prayer stuff. And so it was like almost like it's almost like Zoom was kind of secularizing meetings that used to not be so secular. I don't know. Do you think that's happened a yeah. little bit? I need to go to some more Zoom meetings <laughs> to know. <laughs> to know. <laughs> Yeah, I just kind of wonder, you know, um, and, and like uh, the last Zoom meeting I went to was one I spoke at, and now it was a very liberal group in San Francisco, um, and it seemed like totally secular. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It kind of depends probably what group you're going to. I should probably get on Zoom and go like to some Alabama group or something. Yeah, I should do that. Because <laughs> I, I, I did find in this area, uh, like when we started the secular meeting, there was like no pushback. I, I pictured like a lot of pushback. And I think I mentioned this when I was on the podcast before that the only question was, was like, did you check with other AA groups about there being like a time overlap issue? And then everyone just voted yes. So, and most people seemed like generally supportive of, of the meeting. And that, that was pretty good. So I, I just expected, you know, I don't know if like times are changing and, you know, they're, you know, in, in, in the country, like there are more secular people too, as well. So I don't, that has anything to do with it. You know, I was thinking about this steps again for a second. And I was going in, in the city to, you know, prior to COVID, they had like secular step meetings. And you know, let me like check that out. I was going to the beginning and there were not a lot of people there. Like there'd only be like three or four people. And then they would like, you know, someone would read the step, you talk about it, and the meeting was over in about like 17 minutes, and then everyone just left. And so I was just like, oh, I guess maybe it, I, I thought there would be more people trying to, because this is at the time when I was trying to, like, I have to shoehorn this in before I'm like, I, I realized, oh, I just don't have to do it. Like, I could just do what works for me. And I came to that realization. And then I was also just thinking too about like the, the narrative also about like the director in the book. Um, like everyone wants to be in control. I'm like, that was so not me. Like, cause every job I've ever had, it's always been like, Hey, you're responsible. Take on the, do this. Or can you do this? I'm like, Oh, I want to be out of control. I do not want to be in control. I want to be like under the radar. And like, so this whole narrative just didn't really fit and resonate with me. And, you know, if you say that in a traditional meeting, it's like, Oh, what do you mean? It's the book. And I haven't really started. I've been starting to put it out there in the, 
agnostic meetings that I'm not a step person. Because even I, I, I feel too, this is just my own feeling. I don't know if it's like a fear that there's going to be a pushback. Like, you know, you can't say anything negative about the steps. But if no one says like, this is my experience or I do things differently, like the message doesn't get out there. And I guess I think, oh, if I don't go to meetings, if I don't go to meetings, that message doesn't get out there. But You know, that's kind of true. Um, I, I talk about this sometimes. Um, so when I was first getting introduced to this whole idea of being an atheist in AA, so I came again from this background where I was like pretty traditional, you know, I was an atheist, but I still thought the big book was good and important. And I thought the steps were important. And I just thought that that was just being an AA, that these are the things that you did. And the first time I ever heard somebody say anything critical of the steps and they were not just, I mean, it, it was not just, it wasn't nice critical. It was like, they trash the steps. I'm like, what the, what, what, what did you just do? I can't believe you said that. You're, you know, I, I was like in a state of shock. I mean, why are you even an AA, you know? And, um, but now, but I needed, to, but it helped me to hear that. And then I started hearing more and more and more. And, you know, so that when I finally got to the place where I was kind of questioning, you know, just how important they are to me, um, I think that probably did help me. And, you know, John Huey is my friend and we talk a lot. He hates the steps. He taught, I mean, he, he, he can't stand them, but I can sit here and listen to him now. And it doesn't shock me to, for when he talks like that. Um, I think it's fine that he, he's that way. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I have some disagreements with him on, on, on just the, the way he delivers his message. But, um, but I, I, I kind of, it's so weird. I agree with what he says, just sometimes how he says it. It's kind of troublesome for me in some way. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was. She might have been like the first. Like I heard where he, like you know, I think his podcast on the relevancy of the steps was like, oh, someone thinks that you know, and then he's very you know intensely about it. And I, I think I forwarded to a friend of mine, and that, that's pretty extreme. I'm like, but it, like, I, I, well, I, I guess because I guess when I, I guess the thing when I'm talking to him, he use he uses we a lot. He says, we need to do this. We need to break out on our own. We need to leave AA, blah, blah. And I always have to stop and say, who is we? And he does define that as atheist. As So he does believe that atheists in general, even those who might be happy in AA, he thinks that they're, that they're, um, uh, they're kind of... Um, they haven't they haven't broken free yet and they and they they need to be kind of pushed i think is is his is is his view on that whereas i'm like just let every just live and let live let people kind of find their own way i don't give a shit if they do steps or don't do steps i just don't tell me what i need to do yeah exactly that's how i feel i but then i guess part of me wants to there is when people start talking about the steps at meetings i'm like you don't have to do it but then i'm then i'm that guy telling someone what they should do so i just kind of you know bite my tongue i'm like all right well i don't need to do them but i don't need to tell someone else what they need to do even though i kind of want to <laughs> yeah and in a way too it's there is there is a danger in them going back going back to this um like you will find someone who for whatever reason they feel like it's important that they put themselves out there that to be a sponsor for someone you know, they'll go, I will be your sponsor. You listen to me and you do these things. And and I, I hate that, but that there's that personality out there. And when you're when you're at that point in your life where you're first realizing that, man, my life is fucked up. I really need to stop drinking. I got a lot of problems. You're in a pretty vulnerable state. And these people who come to you and say, I will be your sponsor and I will do these things with you. You just do these things. I mean, you're really in a, you're, you're in a, you're in a place where, you know, that it's easy to fall and start doing whatever crap that person is saying you should do. And it might be good to have someone else in the meeting and say, wait a second, that guy might think that, but you know, I've been sober for 30 years and I kind of realize you don't really need to mess with that so much. You know, because I, I see that I do see that sometimes I see these people, even in secular meetings, you know, kind of put themselves out there as saying, you know, and, 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 and I think they, they have good intentions. You know, they say, hey, you know, hey, I can help you with this. You know, I've done this. It's very helpful. But um, I don't know. I just I think that it's more important 
that they speak just from their own experience and let other people, I just think people need to find their own path. I think people need to find their own way. And I think the best thing that we can do to help somebody is allow them to find their own way. Yeah, that, that's, I really that. do. I think that's the message. If anything, I'd, I'd like to put out there that it's okay to find your own way. If I you think it's do the, essential. Like if you want to do the steps and that's your way, that's fine. But if you don't want to do the steps and that doesn't, you don't think that'll work for you and you need to find another absolutely. way. That's, that's also fine. It's know? absolutely, I think it's really important. Um, and if there's anything that I regret from my past experience, even though I, I stayed sober, if there's anything I do regret, it's that I was such a conformist that I did that. I did that. Yeah, that's how I feel now. Like I'm like I kind of regret doing this. Like I felt like I was like trying to pigeon my hole into something I wasn't, and yeah. I kind of wish I, I I didn't. But you don't know until later. You don't, so. you know. And and again, you know, looking back at myself at that time, I was having a good time. I was okay. I was getting. I was sober. I was life was getting better. I had friends and when I wasn't in meetings, I'd hang out with my friends. We, we weren't talking about steps or whatever, you know, but I did in the confines of the meetings conform to the narrative that you were talking about that, Oh, I'm a self-centered egotistical power driver. <laughs> yeah. Like that's one person's narrative. That there were a <laughs> but I do wish I had someone like your wife who said, that's not you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I love having independent validation. Because <laughs> so, I didn't have that. Everybody I had in my life at the time was saying, yep, yeah, you're sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's you, buddy. <laughs> Wait, I don't want to be that. <laughs> but I, I think, too, I like when you have guests like uh, John Stewart on. Um, I always thought it was going to be the guy from TV. But um, just like people that have left AA, that they've stayed sober. Because people, you have a couple of friends that say they couldn't do Zoom and they haven't gone to meetings and they're sober. They're just like, oh, you know what? I know what to do. Like, I, I know who to contact, you know, and I'm fine. But, you know, sometimes if I talk to people, it's like, oh, I'm a little worried about you. You haven't gone to a meeting. And I'm like, but. I, I you, wonder about that. Are they really worried? Yeah. But if you keep repeating that, then it's almost like a self-fulfilling thing. Like it, it's okay if I don't go to a meeting. Like for me, it's okay. But it, when people say like, if I noticed like one of my frustrations with AA was like, there's a lot of, if you don't, like if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, and that just gets repeated. And I, I also want to put like a message of an, an empowerment out there. Cause I was thinking about like, the first step almost, I meaning people keep going like, I just, I'm powerless over everything. And I'm like, Oh, but that's not necessarily true. I, I, by taking action and addressing your drinking problem, like aren't, aren't you like empowering yourself to do something? Like I'm empowering myself to find ways and to find support, not to drink. And you know, part of that is building. I, I think too is um, a, a social sobriety safety net. Like you have people you can contact, and I, I just feel like the steps have this disempowering language, especially step three, because like you know, I don't believe in a higher power and then so i'm not going to turn my will over to a higher and i don't believe in turning my will over to anything like i need to make my own decisions and that frustrates me and i just want to also put out like a message of empowerment like i'm empowered by my choices and i think for me that works much better than like i'm selfish and even like in the 12 and 12 there's like that whole thing about like the seven deadly sins and it's like well if we're not religious and why do you have the seven yeah, deadly sins and, yeah i have no use yeah. for any of that that literature yeah I, I don't either but um in one way though um there's probably no better time to get into recovery than right now anyway because there are more options available and there's all kinds of um you know, smaller groups that have just kind of sprung up, um, just naturally out of the internet, you know, um, just like, yeah, gosh, people I've talked to, like the sober book club, the soberest book club, you know, just all that is, is a group of people to get together and read books about recovery. And some of them not even necessarily recovery related and they are, um, staying sober. Uh, then there's the group of people who um, are restaurant workers and bar workers who get together. They don't have any kind of a formal program or anything, but they all have that in common that they're that they are they happen to work in restaurants and it's a bit challenging to get sober when you're working in a bar or a restaurant. It's a tough environment. 
and there's all kinds of groups like that. There's just all kinds of groups just, you know, forming up on social media and so forth that aren't any, that aren't related to any kind of formal program, but they are, a, they are communities that they are sober communities, you know, and, and a lot of these that I'm, that I'm seeing come about, um, what mode of, um, support network you use is unimportant and sometimes or whatever, you know, it's just, I guess they, they're not, they're a lot less dogmatic than the world that I was introduced, the world that I lived in when I was introduced to recovery back some time ago. It's just, it's just a bit broader and roomier now than, than I've ever seen it. So in some respect, it's a lot better. There's, it's a good time. If you can find these communities, they're not maybe always so easy to find, but um, anybody who lives on the internet long enough will eventually find them. I think. Yeah, I, there was. I saw like in my Facebook feed there was a thing for like a sober book club. I think it was like Sundays at eight. And I kind of like that idea of reading different different literature. So much. I mean, the big books like almost a hundred years old now. I know. Yeah, yeah. The, I like it's, that. That's that's good. And and you know, she. Um, I love that that podcast I did with her, Susie Darren. She um, when she started that book club. She got some criticism because people says, oh, you can't stay sober just from reading books. And she said, well, it's not just me reading books. It's me reading books and having and inviting other people to talk about the books with me. And she says, it's that community that I'm building around the books that's helping me. You know, um, it's not just reading the book. Although, you know, it might be just reading book might be enough anyway, but she, but, 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 but she just made the point that for her, what it really is, is that community and connection that she's having with other people around the books. Yeah. It, was, it, it goes back to that quote, the opposite of addiction is connection. And um, I, I have to, I didn't hear her on the podcast. I'll have to check that out. Um, it was pretty good. I like her. And and that's the book club that I joined and never have really got, uh, gotten involved with. Um, I, I, I need to just make time to do that. Yeah, the I podcast were, keeps me incredibly busy. Yeah, the podcast helped me like, tremendously because I used to drive around before COVID. I was like driving around a lot, and I, you know, I could listen to it and just hearing like people's stories and different perspectives. Like it was, I found it like engaging. Like I need to be driving or doing something to hear a podcast normally. Like I can't just be sitting like still. <laughs> so my walking or driving is usually the best time for me to listen to them. But when I was out and about, like I, you know, I could listen to, them, and I got a lot out of the, the podcast just hearing the different stories. Yeah. And just doing them for me too, it's just been, it's been transformative for me personally. And I'm noticing, um, as I I'm looking at the types of episodes that I'm doing now and they're different than the episodes that I had done in the beginning. Um, where in the beginning I had a lot more personal stories. I still have some of those now, but now, um, the subject matter is a little bit different. I'm talking, I'm talking to people who are talking about, you know, like different things like self-esteem or, um, I don't know, just different kind of issues now. And then I've got coming up, uh, an author I'm going to talk to, um, about, oh yeah, here's the book. I haven't, I haven't started this yet, but it's called, um, treating trauma and addiction with the felt sense poly, polyvagal model, <laughs> a bottom up prone. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> I can't even pronounce the title, but I'm looking forward to it. And she seems very nice. Um, she's um, she's she teaches at the University of uh, Toronto, and uh, it's all it's kind of about trauma. I guess it is about trauma and how um, that impacts people, you know, having addiction problems and so forth. I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to reading it. I'm just kind of learning more and more about trauma um, and how that relates to um, recovery. But this is the kind of stuff now, this is where my recovery is going, and this is where I'm getting from the podcast, and it's just kind of taking me in a different direction than where where I was, you know, a year ago or two years ago. Yeah, I found, talking of books, there was one by uh, Kristen Neff, she has a book on self-compassion, and I won't do it justice to describe it, but she talks about self-compassion versus self-esteem, and... I found it, I, someone posted it on a recovery blog and I read it and it was like really helpful. And, um, she has a new book out. It's like fierce self-compassion for women, but I think it's applicable to everybody. Um, like that's her newest book, but the book prior to that was self-compassion. It was just about having compassion for yourself. 
uh, mindfulness and if you, you, basically accepting that you're imperfect and that's okay. And I just found that, but that book and the, the James Clear Atomic Habit book, you know, those I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to yeah. read that again. I, think I just found, I'm a, sorry. I, I, I think that's, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that book though, because it reminded me, yeah, that's on my Kindle and I either read it and forgot I read it or I haven't read it. I started yeah. reading it and stopped. I can't remember. What's the, yeah, I think I did too, just with like reading, I hit like, like, you know, I was reading a lot of recovery books and it just hit like recovery burnout. So now I feel up to like reading other things now, like the book with the mouthful title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, I enjoyed this. It was fun. It was nice seeing you again. It's nice catching up and see how things are going. Um, you know, I kind of think that I, I think we're kind of in a similar spot. I think we're both fine and okay. Um, I don't know if we covered all the topics that you wanted to really talk about, but um, I enjoyed I enjoyed what we talked about, and I think other people will too. I think that you know what we're talking about is something of interest to a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people right now who are just in the secular recovery world, secular AA world, or not, that are just like questioning, like, "Wow, man, do I really need this? Do I really need this stuff from?" you know, 80 years ago or whatever. Can't I just talk my own way? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's how I feel. Just some, you can find your own path and, and empowerment. I guess those are the two things. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyond belief sobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.